The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the Visual Workplace, the place to be on this almost holiday weekend. Welcome, welcome to the Visual Workplace. My name is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And we look at some aspect of that in each of our shows. And what is the that? The that is embedding the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work. And we do that by creating visual devices. Those devices answer our questions. They answer our operational performance questions. What do I need to know? What do I need to share? And as these questions are answered through visual devices, we build a language of operation. We install the language of our current operational level. Even though we know that level will improve, we install that level of language through devices and that becomes a platform for our next improvement step getting clearer about the details, the missing answers, those details that we need to do our work even better, safer, safer, faster perhaps you might say. I would say more effectively, the fast comes from, as you know, carving away the waste so that you are just doing the essential work. It's like I have a, a friend, a new friend, who is an amazing sculptor. And what he does is carve wood. He finds just the way Michelangelo did. He finds the David in the wood. And he carves away the unessential and gets to the true value. It's a very good metaphor for what we're doing, a good image for what we're doing in continuous improvement and certainly in visuality. In visuality, we're carving away all of the missing answers, and all of the struggle that goes with that. And what comes forward is our operational system, pristine and functioning on a very high level. In a fully functioning visual workplace, you do the work, but you also do the dance of work because you can dance, because the work is choreographed. This is where there is an alliance with lean. The work is choreographed with lean with the critical path and it is surfaced and if you will the reverse embedded surfaced and embedded if you get that through visuality 
a wonderful partnership. Neither is more important, neither is less important. They are equal partners in our journey to operational excellence. And in visuality, we get exquisite bottom line benefits that are trackable. We get a 15 to 30% increase in productivity. But if you don't do lean, it'll be absorbed by the noise in the macro system. Do you see how, how that works? We'll be doing a show again on visual and lean shortly because it is a message that is very well worth repeating and going deeper and deeper each time. So in visuality, you get the bottom line benefits, aligned delivery time, shrinking costs, better quality, much better, especially if you implement Pokeyoke, the highest level of visual information sharing. Pokeyoke embeds your specifications into the process of work and into the product design itself. You get splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. And, hallelujah, we enjoy ourselves at work. We go to work and enjoy ourselves. Ono said it this way, people don't come to Toyota to work, they come to think. And for those of you who have done this double tasking, worked and thought at the same time, you will know what a pleasure it is. Because what you're thinking about is refining your work. You're watching yourself do the dance. And you're refining the dance so that it becomes this beautiful flow. And the enterprise benefits in every possible way. Certainly happy, aligned, exquisitely skilled employees is a benefit. Certainly profitability is a benefit. But when you move those two together and so much more, you get a synergy that is much greater than simply the sum of its parts. And that's what we want. Operational excellence keeps coughing up benefits that are actually uncountable. My brother is a poet. He's also a master plumber, but he's an incredible poet. You can find his book online. It's called Yes, Yes. And he begins one of his poems online with um, at on Amazon. It's a little $12 book, but oh, there's a, a poem in there that I love so much. And it begins, last night gave birth to icicles uncountable. That's the first line of the poem. It's about a winter a winterscape that he was in. Last night gave birth to icicles uncountable. And that's the way it is with improvement. It's uncountable. It is a landscape. And it is a thing of beauty. I am going to interview my brother one of these days, and you will have the pleasure of listening to the poet Mind. I'm going to do that soon, this summer. We're working on his second book. I have a wonderful editor named Aurelia Navarro, and uh, she has a tremendous gift for finding what's called the arc of uh, the written word, the shape, and also um, to help all of us who love to write, write a little bit better. (laughs) thank god for these experts in our lives they help us so much so welcome i know i'm a little bit off the pace but i'm i'll resume it now make a few announcement announcements guess what next week is our 200th show our 200th show wowzer we are entering our fifth year our fifth year and i'm thrilled and i thank you so very much listeners so very much for well for listening for your interest in and your pursuit of workplace visuality we have 70,000 listeners a month and I am here to share my knowledge with you 
as completely as I can through voice and image. And you listen and you apply. And you get back to us. I'm going to talk about your emails in a moment. You get back to us and you say, this works. This works better. Hey, can you help me out with this? This doesn't work as well and maybe I'll do a whole show on it. I went to visit a, a, a military base about six or eight weeks ago and out of that, and their listeners as well, out of that I did two or three shows on the MRO environment and they'll listen to that and they'll, they'll consider a different implementation approach. That may help them and I would be so happy. So, Next week, we're going to have some big surprise for you to celebrate our 200th uh, anniversary show. Cindy Linden, our VP of Communications and Marketing, is cooking it up right now. She's also the editor of our wonderful newsletter, The Visual Thinker. And so stay tuned. I can hardly wait. I'm, I'm going to be one of the last to find out. It's going to be a wonderful surprise for me, too. And you can get podcasts of the show from our website. They're grouped into categories. It's not just five years or four years of websites, of, of sorry, of podcasts, but it is in categories so that you can see, oh, this one is about infrastructure. This one is about 5S on steroids. This one is about leadership from the supervisory sub-function. This is leadership on the executive function. We have them grouped. It's very valuable. And we will complete our completion of a table of contents in the next week or so. I know I promised this, but I discovered it's not quite there. The printout will be 30 or 40 pages, and it will be available when you register as a member in your free basket. Register as a member, and there's a little basket of, of tools and other goodies that you get free just to become a member. Our next live webinar is next week on Friday, July the 10th. It is on 5S on steroids. You can register on our website. You can have as many people come for that single registration. It's $75 unless you're a member on the second level, and then you get it so-called free as part of your second level membership. But you can have 50 people there. You can have 50,000. It's fine, and it'll be a very good show on 5S, both a kind of clinic but also an explanation of why things are sometimes difficult with 5S. So register on visualworkplace.com. And by the way, I'm doing a series on 5S and steroids in our newsletter, The Visual Thinker, so you can kind of get the text for that there. And if you can't make it, look for a rerun. It'll be available in, I don't know, a few weeks after, maybe a week after, depending on how our wonderful tech manager, Horatio Fairburn, what his workload is, but he'll prepare that and it'll be available reasonably priced and with uh, good navigation. On August, four, on August 14th, we are doing a visual conversion case study of Lockheed Martin, the aerospace giant, and that will end our summer series. So you can check all of this out on our website, visualworkplace.com, and you can also register. And one more announcement. We have an amazing opportunity that expires in two days on midnight July the 4th. Our complete visual workplace system for operators. Our work that makes sense system is on sale. 12 modules narrated by me. The exact materials I use with my own on-site clients are is available to you. It's an outstanding package with all kinds of bonus modules for management. It's usually $5,500. Don't hold your, don't be gasping at that because you can get it 
on a monthly payment plan that is about $400 a month, so all of that's possible. But it's on sale for $3,850, $3,850 until midnight, July 4th. Just go online and put in the discount code FIREWORKS. Just go to the buy page and put in fireworks and you'll get that. And the system is yours. Um, It's a 12-month system. And I also want to say, just to translate it, that's a 30% discount or savings of $1,650. Okay? So, I hope you think about that. And yes, we can take your payment over the phone. We do close at the end of the day today. The number here is 503-233-1784. And also payment plan. Just think payment plan. 400 a month. This is an exquisite system. It is my best work. It is operator-led visuality. It is what to do when you've, mm, with your Kaizen Blitzes, which is what we're going to talk about today. You can send us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com as well. All right. So, let us begin. We are entering in today a primer, the Kaizen Blitz and how to use it to get visual. We're going to talk about how the Kaizen Blitz originated, and uh, that's an interesting story. And here's why I'm doing this. You have been in touch. Over the past several weeks, we have received a stack of emails, all with a similar theme. Tell us the story. Tell us the story, Gwendolyn, since you were there. Tell us the story related to, and you know, it would be a a, a number of things. Some of you want me to tell you the story about Shingo, or about Shingo and Taiichi Ono, or about what JIT was. Mm? Mm Mm-hmm. But bunch of you want me to tell you the story about the Kaizen Blitz. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you the story, where it came from and how it changed and how it was done in Japan on the mothership Toyota and a lot like that. And we're going to pick this up immediately after our first break, which is coming up right now. <laughs> I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the second segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace where we are walking through the history and the evolution and the meaning of the Kaizen Blitz. Here's the shape for today, the agenda, and if we don't cover it all, we'll pick it up next week. There is always more to say, more to reveal, more to understand, more to learn, and to which I I say, hooray. So, here's the shape. Where did the Kaizen Blitz come from? What is the literal meaning of Kaizen Blitz? How was it first conducted way back when at the dawn of time in 1986 when you were very, very young? How is it conducted now? What is the emerging form? What makes it effective? What makes it tricky? And then we're going to move into what is a visual blitz? What is the general profile? How do I use it to advance visuality and continuous improvement, tactical improvement in my organization? So that's a lot to cover today. Let's just take it at its pace and see how far we get. So where did the blitz come from? Here's a definition of a blitz. It's not exactly formal. I kind of patch it together. A blitz is a rapid improvement event where a team of individuals attack a particular production problem, a bottleneck, a bottleneck flow, wacko material movement or consumption. In offices, for example, if you have a blitz, it's streamlining reports. In a hospital, it would be setting up a supply room or providing or figuring out how to provide patient families with a better, more streamlined experience, the registration process or whatever. It is usually connected with the value stream, and sometimes there isn't one. It's very focused. It's an attack on waste. It lasts either a couple of days or a full week. It usually has and this is a mistake, it usually has representative participation from value-add associates, operators, or office office mates, office employees. It's a problem because being representative, not everyone participates, but there are ways to balance that out, and we will probably talk about that. It has been used widely and very effectively by many companies In fact, for many companies, it is the centerpiece of their improvement process. It is handy. It is event-based. It can be configured so it does not shut down production and therefore 
improvement doesn't take a bite out of your production schedule. And all of that is very, very beneficial. And it has distortions as well, most of them unintended. Mostly for most companies, it works fairly well with some tweaking and some additions. It can be part of one of the jewels in the crown, but not the crown itself. It isn't the only way, and in my experience and in my view, it should not be the only way improvement happens on the shop floor. I feel that solo it is out of balance, but in conjunction and combination with other forms, and we'll talk about that, it becomes much more powerful. So now let's talk about the origins of the Blitz or the Kaizen Blitz or the Rapid Improvement Event. The origins, the year is 1986. The maker is Norman Bodek, my old boss, wonderful entrepreneur. He was always bursting with ideas. We lived in fear of him because if he came into your office, he was going to dump his what he discovered in the shower this morning and you know ask you to do it. But be that as it may, he was the he created the organization that brought information, knowledge, expertise, practitioners, expert practitioners from Japan to the West. And he deserves really, if not the Nobel Prize, and a lot of uh, honorary doctorates, a lot. And I hope that one of the universities who's listening out there does this really soon. Norman is one of our senior diplomats uh, in the world of continuous improvement and lean, and he really is very deserving of an honorary doctorate. If I had a university, a legitimate university, I would give him one in a heartbeat to honor his contribution, which is actually beyond measure because he gave us the books. So Norman, who would make trips to Japan and often visit Toyota, came upon a group headed by a gentleman, wonderful gentleman named Iwata, Iwata-san, and he understood what they did. They did an event that he brought to the United States in 1986, an event that was called Five Days and One Night. I beg your pardon. It was called Five Days and Four Nights. That was the point. It was an entire week, 24 hours a day. (laughs) Five days and four nights of change, of transformation. The focus plant, the the host plant, was Jake's Breaks in Windsor Locks, Connecticut. And George Conensager was the um, head of it. And Bob Pentland, really very, very good fellows, very smart. They were not skeptical. They were interested. They paid attention. And history was made during that week, 1986. My memory serves it was June. I was there because I was part of Norman's organization. I was his lead developer, kind of principal developer of just about everything. And uh, I was watching. So they came from Japan. Mr. Iwata, Nakao, Mr. Ubu, but not the Ubu from the Toyota Supplier Institute, the group that is now called Shingajitsu. And Shingajitsu is still in business. They are still super, super smart. Our dear friend Iwata has passed away. God bless him. This was a special group. They were not called Shingajitsu at the time, but it's important for you to know this part of the story. 
because we need to know the history in order to understand today's form and to understand why things work and why they don't. This is part of the move away from Borg thinking. You've heard me talk about it many times where resistance is futile, marketing overwhelms us, and we eat the whole elephant in its entirety in a single swallow, and only later do we realize that we should have chewed better and used a knife and fork. So, the group that Iwata headed was a special group within Toyota with a very special mission, improvement of the supply chain. Work with Toyota suppliers, said Ono to Iwata, tier one suppliers, the top level of suppliers, and get them to remove 30% of the cost from their product so that we, Toyota, would be paying less. We would be getting greater value. We would be paying less, getting better value. Toyota sourced from them, and the vast majority of these Tier 1 suppliers were what they call, what we call single-sourced. They were part of the Toyota family. They had no other customer. And because of the particular way that Japanese society is configured, that meant a great deal. That was kind of lifetime employment for a supplier, if they hit the marks. And here's the thing. This group of master practitioners, Iwata's group, they themselves were senseis in the principles and practices of the Toyota production system. Only they worked with suppliers and they had to work fast. They were given a single week. There were many, many suppliers, and during the course of the year, Iwata and his team would simply go through this vast supplier base. They had a week to create transformation, and they would cycle through. They would come in one week, set up the model, the five days, four-night model. A shorthand for that is cellular design, Right? They would break traditional manufacturing and go into cellular design, JIT, if you will, and they had a week to do it in. They had worked at Toyota. They had learned on the mothership. They had graduated because of the level of their acuity and their skill. They had graduated into the special mission. They were like the team that, that um, oh, Jean-Luc Picard, oh, my goodness, it escapes me why I love this this captain, Captain Captain Kirk, and Captain Picard would send to uh, to uh, the planet's surface. They were the away team. That's what I want to say. They were the away team masters. And Taichi Ono, who was president for decades of Toyota and co-architect with my sensei, Shigeo Shingo, of the Toyota production system, sent them into the supply chain with that mission. But to succeed, they needed to develop a new form, and this is what's important. They needed a new form. They needed what they called five days and four nights, a format that was used exclusively in the supply chain, but never on Mothership Toyota, never at Toyota proper. I want to emphasize never. Toyota proper never conducted within its walls and any of its primary plants, the OEM, anything that resembled five days and four nights or Kaizen Blitz because they would never allow their employees to be treated that way. Treated what way? Well, we're going to get to that as we unfold this 
We saw it in 1986 at Jake's Breaks, and boy, our eyes popped and our mouths dropped open. Oh my gosh, look what they're doing to our customers. I'm going to give you detail in a moment. Toyota Central would never allow their employees to be treated this way. They developed employees differently. They developed employee skill, knowledge, thinking, application, improvement, creativity through what uh, Mike Rother calls kata. The kata model was very, very important and still is. The leading with no answers, teaching with no answers model. The practice when the stakes are low model. There was the opposite of pressure. The opposite of pressure. So we'll pick up this really exciting walk down memory lane right after our next break, which is coming up right now. And I will be here waiting with bated breath when you get back. See you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Again to the Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show on letting the workplace speak. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we're moving into segment three. And we are talking about the Kaizen Blitz as it was originally called and formulated at Toyota which was five days and four nights. 
And we are working with the supply chain, not with employees of the OEM Toyota, but suppliers to the OEM Toyota. Iwata, who was the lead, and a diplomat. This gentleman was an elegant, articulate, kind, and very effective diplomat practitioner. He was smooth, and he was a good, good person. And he was given the mandate from his captain, his captain, Ono, go out, go forth, go where no man has gone before and get 30% reduction of costs out of our suppliers. And how were suppliers treated in that process? Well, rough, real rough. Ono gave Awada's group one week to make a turnaround on cost, a 30% reduction, not 10%. This is radical transformation, frankly, and many of you who are listening know this. It is not that hard to find 30% of traceable bottom line waste in a company that has not yet incorporated the principles and practices of the Toyota production system of TPS. But to achieve that in five days is excessively Remarkable, amazing, and demanding. And that's one of the points I want to make. It's not that the principles and the practices that were taught were not correct and fantastic, splendid. But doing it in five days and four nights, oh my gosh. And demand they did. In Toyota's mind, the means justified the end. After all, achieving that 30% reduction meant that that supplier would stay with Toyota. Tier 1 would stay with Toyota at the top. Major component supplier, major components, tires. Um, I'm not sure whether or not it was the engine or components of the engine, but Tier 1 suppliers. And the suppliers knew that, and they anteed up. They were ready to take it and to take it on the chin. They knew what was coming. They were ready to take orders and to execute them. They were ready for rough in order to save their status, to save their company. Rough was also in keeping, please understand, with a persona, an archetype that runs deep in Japanese society from a very long time ago. And that archetype, that iconic image is man as warrior. Man as warrior. There's no political incorrectness or correctness about that. It's just stated man as warrior. The harder the challenge, the harsher the setting of that challenge, the more heroic and the more celebrated the victory. Rough meant Iwata's group regularly hollered at participants when they got it quote-unquote wrong. Hollered, yelled, raised their voices loud. You could hear it across the production floor in the clipped uh, cadence of Japanese, which is really a hollering language. It's one thing to holler in English, but when you start hollering in Japanese, (laughs) it's an event. (laughs) And they slapped them. Iwata's group slapped the employees in that supplier, at that supplier, when, if they should question a sensei's logic. And Iwata's group was nothing but senseis. That's why they were part of the group. 
You don't question anything. You just do it. It's a military model. The change schedule was indeed rapid, five days and four nights. And this is 16-hour days, 18-hour days, whatever it took. This is where, in a way, just do it, which is one of the phrases that I feel is the most destructive. I've heard people praise it, but if they praise just do it, they have to also give the downside because it is ready, fire, aim in some people's minds. They just do it and they fall off the face of the cliff. Oops. There was no time for process. There was no time for niceties or anything remotely resembling political correctness. Five days and one and four nights to do what? To turn the silos of function into a connected value stream. I'm going to just walk through an example so you get the picture. To take a bay of five stamping machines, ten presses, twelve assembly benches, four packing stations, and turn it into three model cells. For starters, to teach and to implement standard work in those three cells. Three model cells, cellular design. To set up supermarkets and mini markets. To install pull, for gosh sakes, in one week. To establish Kanban pull. And yes, to begin, don't let us not forget this, to begin by getting rid of the junk, cleaning what's left, and putting it all in sensible production-based cellular order. This is where the 5S piece came in. My complaints, my ongoing complaints about the introduction of 5S in America and how we need to make a course correction. That's, That's a different show and probably... I'll do that this summer. Niceties would only slow things down. Culture was not an issue. Efficient use of those five days and four nights, 16, 18 hours a day, doesn't matter if you don't have any sleep. The survival of the enterprise was at stake and everyone knew it. Keep going. And this is union plants. Some of them were definitely union plants. You can be sure this was a heady experience for the suppliers in this change. I beg your pardon, for the suppliers in this chain. Everything changed in a week. Thanks to the expert coaching of Iwata and his team. Thanks to the push. You are getting it whether you like it or not. I am an admirer of this great man. But I will tell you, he and his team within Toyota were known as the thugs. The thugs. And you just heard why. That's spelled T-H-U-G-S. They were the thugs of the Toyota production system. They had a mission, and it was for your own good. They were the medicine, and they were the spoon. And they would make you do it. Even if you didn't understand it or like it, they were certain you would like it in the morning. (laughs) They were certain you would like it in the morning. They were senseis. You know, talk about the ultimate power trip. That's what these guys did 45, 48 weeks a year, is go in and push their weight around and make the change happen, leading as though they had ultimate authority. There was no PC. Ono was not a nice person. He was a barracuda. He was 
elegant like a water and diplomatic on the outside if you were a visitor, but on the inside with his direct reports, he was a killer diller. He was the model for man as warrior. And you know the story because he had to after the war. He didn't create this industry. He resurrected the resources that allowed Japan to move on in this particular venue from a loom to cars. That's an interesting connection. When you find it, tell me what it is. The entire construct was felicitous, unexpected, amazing, memorable. Reads like a soap opera, a Japanese soap opera. So like it or not, you didn't have to understand it. We were going to get, we were going to make sure we walked away with a 30% reduction for you. And what is a week of discomfort to pay when the reward was so high? And in a certain way, if you've ever been in these highly pressurized situations under the hands of a master, it was fun. And the Awada team made it fun. The celebration was arch. The celebration was a lot of sake, a lot of noise, and you slept through the whole weekend. It was over Friday at about 2 o'clock or, or noon, five days and four nights, and you had the whole weekend to recover. And when you got back to your plant, it was new. The model was in place and you had learned something during the, that week that you could then begin to replicate at a more reasonable at a livable pace, because it was going to be a while before the Awada team came back. So you had time to learn. But that first week was immersion, complete immersion. It was like the SEALs. Those who survive get to go on. <laughs> Could it be that we are judging them? I mean, it sounds distorted, doesn't it? They had a mission, and it was for your own good, and they would make you do it even if you didn't understand it or like it, and they were certain you would like it. And could it be when we think about this, we see it as a distortion because most of us were not of that culture, of the Japanese culture. Could it be that we... If we are judging them, that we are judging them against our standard here in the United States or in the West, our standard of political correctness, our PC standard, and what respect for the individual is supposed to translate into. Just remember, just remember those lofty ideals, the ones that we embrace, were reserved, but for the employees on the mothership. For the OEM Toyota, not the supply chain, this was understood by suppliers, accepted, and welcomed as the right way. So what we have, please notice, is the clash between two worlds. We brought in a form in 1986, five days and four nights into the United States, that was a form that worked very, very well in Japan, but was a kind of suspended form. It was, it was used in a very isolated sense and very effectively. And we're bringing into our, uh, do I use the word libertarian or our humanistic 
value set here, especially in the United States, and it was a clash. And that's exactly what happened at George Conansaker's plant in Windsor Locks at Jake's Briggs, a clash. And I'm going to talk about more about that in the last segment of our show. It's really important for what I'm trying to communicate here through this story is that when you bring something into your company and it's been effective, you have to, but it still has a kind of bite to it or really in some cases a destructiveness it usually means you haven't looked at it carefully enough. It has worked somewhere, and this is our way as Americans, and we just kind of grab it and run. Hey, it worked here, it'll work. It worked there, it'll work here. Hmm? This is our, um, our, our, our kind of throwaway consciousness. We do things very quickly, but not with careful contemplation, and there are consequences to pay. Some of you have had difficulty with the, the blitz. Some of you have been very successful, but I want you to understand the history, and we will complete the history, and I want to tell you a little bit about Ruth Benedict um, after the next in our final break. So I'll see you in a moment. We'll wrap this up. Obviously, we'll get to visual blitz next week, and we'll also get to a kind of, um, what is the word, a deconstruction of the Kaizen Blitz and Rapid Improvement event as well. So I'll see you in a minute. I'll be here when you get back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 
1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Madeline Galsworth, and we are in our fourth and final segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we let the workplace speak. And we are talking about the Kaizen Blitz in its early form, as it was in Japan, because its roots are in Japan, when it was called by Toyota, Five Days and Four Nights. And it was used in the supply chain to transform the supply chain factory by factory by factory. You get one week, it happens then, you can take another six months to absorb it. This team that was led by Iwata would simply rotate through the supply chain. And yes, there were clones, they did have secondary groups, and they were known as the thugs of the Toyota production system because they went in and they were heavy-handed in a way that the mothership would never allow to happen there at Mother Toyota. If the story I am sharing with you grabs you and you want to delve more deeply into it, learn more about it, learn more about the topic of the Japanese way of driving improvement and the way that they created a hierarchy a hierarchy between the OEM and the supplier to the OEM, I would recommend to you the reading of a splendid book that will create a foundation for you so you'll have the the context in which Sensei Ono and Sensei Shingo and all of their cohorts, Sensei Iwata, were brought up and lived. And that is Ruth Benedict's marvelous book, The Chrysanthemum and the Sword. It is, of course, available on Amazon. It was written in 1946. It was written at the request of the U.S. government in order because the U.S. government needed to understand and be able to predict the behavior of the Japanese by understanding the series of contradictions that kept kept coming up, contradictions about beauty and and suicide, kamikaze, about so many things. And the book was written was researched during the war and in a way it became a I would say a bible about how to govern the Japanese are full of um, contradictions aggressive unaggressive militaristic aesthetic loyal treacherous brave timid conservative hospitable submissive resentful rigid adaptable insolent and polite all of these things. And so Mrs. Miss Benedict wrote this book. She had to interview the um, prisoners in our concert, uh, concentration camps that we created when Japan hit Pearl Harbor and we put all the Japanese in there. And she interviewed them because obviously she couldn't go to Japan to interview and to understand and to do her research. She was an anthropologist of the First Order. She did most of her work in the islands of New Guinea, off the coast of Australia, and her contribution alone there was astonishing, let alone this contribution, this influential study that shaped American ideas about how to conduct ourselves during the occupation of Japan. 
And also, when you read her book, you will you will see the distinction between guilt and shame cultures, which is really interesting. I mean, if you're into this stuff, you'll read it on your porch this summer, and it and Netflix will not lure you away. This will be your binge. And by the way, it was a bestseller in China when the relations with Japan soured around 1948. They read it and they said, aha, aha, aha. Okay. So, it helps us understand this formulation of five days and four nights. And this form came to our shores in 1946 for the first time at Jake's Breaks. We approached George Konensega, who was plant manager, along with Bob Pentland at the time, to see if he was willing. And ever the maverick, George said yes, and the rest is history. The Awada team came. I was there. Norman was there. And the entire crew of who formulated Simpler Consulting and Time-Based Consulting was there. Anand Sharma, I took him on his first study mission to, to Japan. He had been with Allied Signal. Sam Swoyer was there. Mark Okeson. George. Conan Saker. These men have created tremendous benefit. And they learned there at the knee of Norman Budek. Because Norman, entrepreneur, Midas Touch, had the good sense to bring this form over to the United States. The Awada, the Awada team came. They transformed the cells at Jake's in that week. We were up 16, 18 hours. Machines were moved. Work, the workflow completely changed. And there were some employees on the floor. This was a highly union shop. They were working with employees during the day. They shut down certain cells to create this reconfiguration. And we heard a lot of hollering. The Japanese were hollering at American employees. We were appalled. And then someone, I will let it be unnamed, but one of the Awada team slapped an American. Slapped an American broke so many taboos in that one moment. They were uncountable, like icicles on a winter's morning. We were appalled. But the Japanese senseis didn't even blink. They didn't apologize. They weren't quelled. In fact, they were puzzled by our shocked response. And I, and in their mind, I'm sure they wrote it off to American naivete. You want to change... You want to change in five days and four nights and you don't want us to get pushy? You want us to be politically correct and the politically correct dragon hadn't yet reared its um, questionable or unusual or confused head yet. And when they left, Jake's Breaks was ready to close down within four months. The union workforce was outraged, up in arms. Not only was everything changed in that one week, it was changed without permission, without training, without knowledge, and it was changed by the biggest push you could ever imagine. It was, it was changed by command, by the command of these Japanese. Did we fight them a few decades ago? Weren't they our enemy? Oh, my goodness. The American flag came out and Danaher 
was ready to move the entire operations to, was it Tennessee or Arkansas? Moments, moments away from that, the situation cooled down probably because the union decided that people needed their jobs. So I'm going to stop here. We'll pick this up. I have a few more things to say historically. We'll, we'll kind of deconstruct the Kaizen Blitz a little bit. I, I will give you what I've learned as adjustments that could help and also ways to balance event-based improvement with more deep thought, as it were, and then we'll get into the visual blitz. We'll do this next week. I hope you've enjoyed this little story, bedtime story, because every bit of it is true. I certainly enjoyed sharing it with you, as I always do. You are my wonderful listeners. Next week, when we get together, it will be show 200. We've gone down this road together. I'm thrilled, and I thank you very much for listening. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Let the workplace speak. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.